listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Peter's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 172. I'm your host, Reality Steve. No guests this week. We are getting straight into how Peter's season ends. Going to take a little break to take a um, talk to you about our sponsor, and then we'll do some reader emails where I'll answer some questions that I did not get to, mostly emails that were sent Monday through Wednesday of this week. So... I mean, we're at it. We're at a situation now where you know we're five days away from the finale, and people have been waiting all season for this. So I do uh, want to get into it. We have no sponsors to start out, so let's just kind of get started with everything happening here, and just kind of fill you out, fill you out, uh, fill you in on where I'm at. By the way, because I'm Mister Procrastinator, I am starting to record this podcast at midnight, technically Thursday morning. Um, I had all day to do it and I didn't, um, so I waited till the last minute, of course, but, um, yeah, so I'm recording this at midnight and, um, I will have this also in written form in the column today. I'm not going to put the reader email part in the column. I'll just do that verbally uh, on this podcast after, uh, I tell you the end. Tell you the sponsor and then we'll do it reader emails, but, uh, okay, let's get started. And uh, I will explain this as best as I can. Not like it's complicated, but there are some there are some pieces here. And um, since the beginning of all this, you know, I have been giving you bits and pieces of what I did know all season. I never knew anything for sure in terms of where I felt comfortable reporting it. The one thing, the few things that I did report all season long, that this was not a final rose ceremony. That was a normal one, where two girls arrive, one gets dumped, the other one gets picked, and he leaves Australia a happy clam. It, that was something I knew right off the bat did not happen. I also reported very early on there was no engagement in Australia. Um, later on this season, as the season was going on, I found out that Madison did self-eliminate. She leaves the show. Um, I was curious on, did she leave Australia or did she just leave kind of like Cassie left last year? But, um, we'll get to that in a second. Um, recently I also posted that Hannah Ann was 100% not with Peter right now. And I kind of said all season long as well. And I never swayed from this despite what was going on. This was always between Madison and Hannah Ann. That's all I was trying to figure out all season long. I even said this is really never a, was really never about the who because you had a 50/50 shot of guessing who it was. It wasn't complicated in that aspect of the who part of it. It was more going to be about how this all comes together, how all the teasers that they give us, how does stuff add up, what is happening in this scene, what is happening in this scene. And I don't think I have every scene, but knowing how the end plays out now, I think um you can probably piece stuff together. And, you know, also why Peter was saying that this season wouldn't be spoiled. However, people started getting swayed all season long by TikTok videos and Venmo accounts and pictures of golf bags and pregnancies and what you saw in the trailers. You know, he's not with Hannah Brown. He's not with producer Julie LaPlaca. Both, I obliterated those theories um, within the last month. This was never about them or anyone outside of his final two women. But so many stories were being told to me in regards to Hannah Ann and Madison. I just didn't know which one was legit because stories were being told to me that supported Madison, that sounded legit. But I also had ones coming to me that were about Hannah Ann that did. Most of them were Madison, but I did have a couple things sent to me about Hannah Ann. And I was like, huh, that could that could be it. However, in the end, late Tuesday night, two nights ago, is when I got the confirmation that I needed. So when I told you on Tuesday in my column, hey, I'm going to just lay out the theory of how I think this goes down and I haven't gotten the proof, well, I did. 
and it was after I had written that column on Tuesday. So it all came down Tuesday night. That's why I didn't get to the reader emails as many of them yesterday. So that's where we're at. It came down Tuesday night. I was working on that till the wee hours of the morning, then, you know, screenshotting all those crazy ass Kelly pregnancy things and Peter's with Kelly and all this. Like, no, it's just, it's such garbage. I think people just wanted something to latch on to when, if you really thought about it, that made zero sense in every stretch of, by any stretch of the imagination, it made zero sense that he was with Kelly. Now, um, I'm not going to share how I got it or obviously who I spoke to on, on Tuesday because I never do. But just know, this was the confirmation I was waiting for all season. I almost must have willed it into existence on Tuesday because at no point did I ever think I was going to get it in the last week. Why would I? I hadn't gotten anything for three months in terms of solid confirmation, and I got it Tuesday night. Um, you know, I've been saying to you for the last three months, hey, the overwhelming thing I keep hearing is, He's with Madison now. They're dating, but they're not engaged. I'd say 90% of the stuff I was getting told all season was along those lines. But I never had any solid proof of it. But when that many people were telling me, I figured that's probably what it was. And not to mention, what we were seeing on TV kind of bared that out. It wasn't far-fetched to think, okay, this is what the ending is. My biggest thing is, well, you know, what happened on Final Rose Ceremony Day? Seemingly... If he wanted Hannah Ann, once I got it confirmed that Madison left the show, if he wanted to be with Hannah Ann, it seems like Madison just made Peter's job that much easier on Final Rose Ceremony Day because now he's there on Final Rose Ceremony Day. He doesn't have to dump someone at the altar. If he wanted Hannah Ann, like, hey, there she is. Maddie's gone. Let's do this. Let's do the damn thing. But so this is this is what went down in regards to the Final Rose Ceremony. As we know, Madison does not show up. She leaves, and she leaves Australia for good. She doesn't hang around like Cassie did. She left. What happened after that was, okay, we got one girl there, Hannah Ann. Peter called off the final rose ceremony until he could speak to Madison. But she's already left to go back to the USA, so they all have to leave and go back to the USA for him to talk to her. Basically, Peter's saying, to know I'm making the right decision here and have a clear conscience, I need both of you to be here. He's not like, bye, Hannah, I pick Maddie. He doesn't even make a pick either way and says that he won't until he at least has a chance to talk to Madison and have them both be there. Well, i.e., not a last one left standing kind of thing. Like He doesn't want Hannah Ann to feel like he picked her because Madison left and she was the only one left standing. He needs to figure the whole thing out, and he can't do that without speaking to Madison. So that's how the show ended in Australia. So we go back to the States, and the timeline on this stuff is stuff I don't know the timeline of. I just know what has happened. We know the finale was in November. We know this season started airing in January. I can't tell you when meetings happened and how it went about, but I can say this. Obviously, Maddie's parents play a big role in her life. They weren't the most supportive of all this. And it's not like I, I don't want to give the impression either that Madison, you know, Peter showed up uh, to see Madison and she just jumped back into his arms. I heard there was definitely some downtime where nothing was happening between them. But ultimately, Peter basically worked so hard to win her back and convince her to trust him. And he knew he had to not only win Maddie back, he had to win her family back. So she goes home. Like I said, I don't know the timeline of when Peter first saw Maddie back in the States. I do not know. But Peter really had to finagle his way back in and prove that he was being authentic with his love for her, so to speak. You know, she didn't believe him after what happened in on the show. And there was a lot of soul searching, a lot of begging, groveling. Like Peter had to put on a, I don't want to say put on a show because that makes it seem like it was fake. But if a girl leaves you on the, sh- you know, in Australia and you want her, you're going to have to do a hell of a convincing job to get to that point. But it ultimately ended up happening. Peter finally proved that he was being sincere about all this. They were able to talk through everything and, you know, obviously how much he hurt her 
and he was affected by it. She was infected by it. I heard it was just very intense. And this stuff was happening in Alabama. But in terms of the time, like I said, the timeline, I don't know. But I can report that Peter and Maddie are very much together. It took some time. It took some hard conversations. It took a lot of convincing of not just Maddie, but her family. He had to earn her trust back, and it was not easy. From everything I've been told, it was not easy. But that's where we're at. And he is with Maddie, and they are together. Now, there are some things that I'm sure you have questions on. One of the questions that I had was, okay, if he went into final rose ceremony day and he obviously wanted to pick Madison and he finds out Madison leaves, why wouldn't he just tell Hannah Ann right there, it's not you. I'm choosing Madison even though she's not here. I'm going to go back to the States. Like, why drag Hannah Ann all along with this? And, you know, I guess that's a question that only Peter has an answer for. I'm only speculating here, but I also think that Peter, maybe I, maybe Peter's going to take some shit for this. Maybe it's more along the lines of, if I send Mahana Ann home on in Australia with the sole intention of trying to win Maddie back, and Maddie says no to me, I'm 0 for 2. It would be hard to go back to Hannah Ann at that point. So maybe he was keeping his options open. But when he left Australia, he hadn't rejected Hannah Ann, but he hadn't picked her either. I mean, I'm sure people are going to disagree with this, and he should have let Maddie go. I guess we have to see how it airs and what he says. You know, I I think, you know, that's why he was able to say at the beginning of this season, Reality Steve isn't going to find out, and there's a reason why. And that reason was because when he left Australia, he hadn't chosen anybody, and he hadn't rejected anyone either. November 17th was the day of the final rose ceremony. His season began airing in January, and that first week of January is when he started doing press for the show. Was he still in limbo at that point with Madison? I don't know. He might have just been answering the questions in January based on what he knew happened in the finale, which is why he said what he did, which was, my season's not going to get spoiled, and there's a reason for it. I do not know the timeline. I know a lot of you are probably going to ask, when did this all go down? It's been three and a half. By the time the finale airs Tuesday, it'll be three and a half months since Australia. So there's a lot of time in there. And I know people like to track things and do all this and look for this. And where is he? Where's Madison? And where's Hannah Ann? And where's Peter this weekend and that weekend? Bottom line is nobody knew. They did a very good job of hiding all this. But I know that any conversation between Peter and Madison was happening um in the States, but not in California. I believe it was happening in Alabama. Like, he was going there. So how did he convince Madison to date him if nothing had changed? Like, she still can't get over what happened in Australia. That, that'll that never change. That still happened. I guess time, being out of that bubble, um... I think once you get out of that and get out of that whole element of what this show is and the whole Stockholm syndrome that comes with this show, apparently she just you know started to see that he was genuine. And look, I think I said it in reader emails a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of hinted toward it because this is when I kind of started hearing about Peter, you know, begging, groveling, whatever the case may be, winning, trying to win Maddie back. There is a love story here. And this is what they're going to sell the love story as. And this is going to be the happy story at the end of, hey, this is what it is. Look at what this guy did to go out of his way to prove to Madison she's the one he wanted. Because he had a lot. He couldn't just be like, hey, I, I want to pick you. Why'd you leave? He has, he had some hurdles to get over. And from by all accounts, it was not easy. So, But he did what he, you know, he still fought through it. Love conquers all. Remember that? Maddie said it at the toast. You're going to hear him say it in the final episode. He went after what he wanted. Now, the question of what Chris Harrison said on this past 
Monday during the Women Tell All, even Peter doesn't know how it ends. I think that's open for interpretation, but what I'm hearing is he's going to propose to her during the live show, and he doesn't know if she's going to accept it. I mean, guy's been having to court her kind of old-fashioned way and eat crow on things that he's done and things that he said and trying to earn her dad's trust and her dad's approval. Apparently, he has no idea if she's going to say yes or not. I'm sure he's going to publicly apologize when he gets up there uh, and ask for forgiveness, even though he's been doing that behind closed doors. It's been a process uh, from everything I've been told. He's had to do all of the work. Going to her family's home, and like I said, in Alabama is where this all apparently went down. Had to apologize to all of them, and um, you know, it, over the over the course of the last three months, I, again, I can't answer how many times did he see her, how long did it take. I just know where they're at right now, and I believe when I, I believe when Chris Harrison is saying even Peter doesn't know how it ends. I think that comes down to. He doesn't know if Maddie would accept a proposal or not. But we'll see. The scene of Peter in the house during the uh, the final clip that we see, um, or the, the previews that we saw at the end of last episode, Peter in a house saying that he's sorry, he never expected this to happen, and he's crying, and he's walking outside this house, and then he's in there, in there on the couch by himself. That house uh, was proven to be in California, I wasn't told specifically who that was, but based on everything I just said, that seemingly is him finally telling Hannah Ann he's spoken to Maddie and that's who he wants to be with. I don't think that's going out on a limb there at all, Um, but I don't have confirmation of that. It just makes all the sense with everything that um, is in there. So that's it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I hope people didn't build it up like there was going to be some wacko boffo ending of someone flies out of nowhere and swoops in or whatever. I mean, I think people just got kind of sucked into all the theories that floated around for the last three months. But I never swayed from the fact like, look, this has to do with Madison and Hannah Ann. There's nobody else involved here. And um, and that's where we're at. And he's with Hannah. Uh, sorry, he's with Madison and. They are seemingly going well, but will an engagement happen on the after the final rose? I don't know. We'll have to see. But just know that this wasn't like he flew back to the States and she immediately accepted him. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to jump down Lauren Burnham's throat here or Lauren Leindyke, whatever you want to call her, you know, her name now. But, you know, when Ari went back to Virginia and we saw him go back to Virginia, it seemed like Lauren just forgot everything that he did to her and took him back in 10 seconds. I'm hearing the opposite happened, and it took a while for Peter to earn back the trust of Madison and her family. But that's where they're at right now, and that's why he says he's happy. So they must be in a good place. Will she accept a proposal? I don't know. So that's the ending to the season. And I know a lot of you have questions. Why did it take so long this season? I answered it yesterday in reader emails. There's really no answer for that. No season, every season is different upon itself. Just because it took me five days before the finale to get you the ending to Peter's season doesn't mean that I'm not going to have, it doesn't mean that's going to be the same for Claire's season. I don't know when I'm going to get the ending to Claire's season, Um, if at all. You just never know, season to season. You just don't know. But this is the first one in 10 years that took me this long, really. So, um, and like I said, I I, I always kind of knew it was, you know, like I said, I know I always kind of knew it was Madison and they were dating but not engaged, but I just didn't have any answers to anything else. Like, okay, then what happens to Hannah Ann on the final roster? Like, what? And that was the big thing that I found out Tuesday night was Peter did not give her an answer. Like, he didn't just accept her and um, he didn't pick her. Um, it was just, I can't do this. I can't do anything until I speak to Madison. But Madison's not here. So we need to go back to the States. So when they closed up shop filming for his season, everything was in limbo, which is why he said what he did, which makes sense now. And that's what I mean. I think people were always thinking, well, maybe that's why he chose to date both of them post show. It's like, no, he didn't. He didn't date them both post show. He obviously cared for Hannah Ann. And I guess he felt 
I'm not going to get rid of her right now. I just, I, like I said, I think people can question that. People absolutely have every right to question why Peter did what he did. Why wouldn't he, if he didn't want Hannah Ann and he did want Madison, why wouldn't he just send Hannah Ann home then and go back to the States to chase down Madison? Maybe he was keeping his options open. I don't know. I think that would have been hard for him to win Hannah Ann back if he goes to Madison and she says, I'm not interested. And then he's like, oh, yeah, okay, Hannah Ann, I want you. She'd be like, F you, dude. You had a chance. Madison left. I was standing there on in Australia on the last day, and you didn't choose me. So, I, I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I see both sides on that one. I just want to see how it plays out first. I want to see exactly what he says. But, yeah, I, I can kind of see both sides on that. So, that's where we're at. Um, I hope you appreciated uh, it. I know it took a long time, but um, there's your answer uh, to what happens at the end of this season. So let's get to some reader emails that I never got to. These were basically sent in between Monday and tonight, which is Wednesday night. And I'm just going to kind of rip through these and uh, and answer some of these questions. Hey, Steve, please ignore me if I'm the thousandth person to write in and say that Nick Vile said on his podcast today that he heard from a producer that they believe Victoria F. Whoa, what was this? Bizarre. Sorry. Uh, Nick said on his podcast that he heard from a producer that they believe Victoria F. when she says she did not break up any marriages. Nick said that she was dating a man who was already separated at the time and not yet divorced. In other words, she was not the reason the marriage ended. Have you heard this as well? I think it would be obviously change things and maybe make Victoria look better. However, what about the others? Because that might have been the case for this one marriage, but maybe not the other one through three. Okay, I can't speak exactly to what Nick said because I did not hear this podcast, so I don't want to take anything he may have said out of context. If they're saying a producer, if Nick is saying he spoke to a producer and this producer said they believe Victoria when when she said she didn't break up any marriages, the man she was dating was already separated at the time and not divorced yet, all I can say is those producers then did not talk to the uh, women that I spoke to. S- simple as that. Hey, Steve. Watching the Women Tell All last night, it hit me that the incident between Kelsey and Hannah Ann has been called Champagne Gate by ABC, the show itself, all season. But the first time I heard the name Champagne Gate was from you when you spoiled it that it happened before the show began airing. Did they just take that name from you, or did the source tell you it was called Champagne Gate? Just curious. I I I think I just kind of after I was told about it and just told it was this big thing between Kelsey and Hannah Ann. I just and it involved a champagne bottle. I just I just kind of named it that. If they stole it, you know, I don't I don't think that was the most creative name in the world. It's kind of I mean, people like to throw gate behind any controversies. I mean, that just that's just kind of the thing we do in the English language now is just everything's something gate. So I, I don't think I, it's not like I'm like, hey, give me credit for that. I'm like, no, I don't. It's not a big deal to me. Also, maybe a fun question for you. Is there an iconic moment in the show's history that was your favorite? Maybe favorite isn't the right word, but something you found most entertaining, like Colton's fence jump or Claire telling Juan Pablo off, something like that. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole the other night to relive some of the greatest franchise moments and while I hate myself for finding this stuff entertaining television, I can't help but admit that I still love the most shocking moments ever still to this day. Well, two jump out to me in terms of iconic moments in show history. Jake Pavelka screaming down Vienna during their sit-down interview with Chris Harrison at the mansion. I mean, it's just its awful to watch. And it's a holy shit moment of who the hell was Jake's PR team telling him to act that way towards a woman on national television. But he did. But the whole, uh, please stop interrupting me with the hand and the, it just, it was awful. And here's an under, here's a very underrated one in show history, but it doesn't have to do with Bachelor Bachelorette, but one of the spinoff shows Nick Peterson's Bachelor Pad 3 win where he took all the money 
and his partner Rachel Truehart got nothing. Whether you liked it or not, it was an iconic moment and basically killed Bachelor Pad because when Nick did that at the end of season three, how do you ever top that on Bachelor Pad? You can't. I think that's why they killed Bachelor Pad. Because remember, they did three Bachelor Pads and then they didn't have a summer show the following year and then Bachelor in Paradise started the year after that. It's almost like they had a full year to figure out what to do and they took a year off because they couldn't do Bachelor Pad after Nick and I don't think you can ever go back to doing Bachelor Pad unless you just change up how the show completely is and the whole format. But you can't top that ending, so why even continue to do it? Next question. I saw an ad last night during Women Tell All asking for casting submissions, specifically for Claire's season. Something like, we're looking for men to date our new Bachelorette. Go to abc.com casting to apply. I know you said they're still casting this season, but is, is this serious or just BS? They are really looking for guys to have a pool, having a pool for later. It seems so unlikely they'd seriously get a submission from someone last night and invite them to L.A. for an interview when they start filming next week. Are they struggling to get a full cast? Would love to get your thoughts. Well, they always have final casting weekend, which is in January and bleeds into February. It's over a course of two or three weekends. And I'm sure they had a base of guys. In fact, I know they had a base of guys that they told you're on the show this season, but they didn't make the decision on Claire until last week. So of the guys that they had accepted for a, you know, a Tasha, a Tia, or a Kelsey, whoever you know, else was in the running, as I told you, two 26-year-olds and a 25-year-old who had been accepted for the season were then told, we don't need you anymore because we're going with an older bachelorette. So, yes, I do believe that people are getting interviewed this week. In fact, I know some people are getting interviewed this week. So it's just going to be uh, they're, they're up against it, and it's because they made the decision to go to Claire, but they, they did have some guys in their 30s already that they don't need to you know recast, but they're probably just trying to get more guys. Um, and by announcing it early, even though it was only a week early, by announcing it early, you might have guys that normally wouldn't have applied, but maybe they saw Claire and were like, yeah, I'd, I want to be on the show now. Because everybody else that you cast for the show and everybody else that showed up for Final Casting Weekend in January and February were just going to be on the show because they, they weren't arriving because they knew who The Bachelorette was. So everybody you get from this point forward is, yeah, granted, you still have guys that want to be on TV, but they're coming forward now because they know it's who The Bachelorette is, and that's usually never the case. Very few times have they announced The Bachelorette early where you go and apply knowing who it is. They did it for Rachel's season. They announced her early. They announced Emily Maynard early, and now Claire. I don't remember anyone else they announced early, but there might have been. I know you said you wanted Hannah B., but for whatever reason, they couldn't reach a deal to get her. What do you think the odds of her being the Bachelorette in the future if she's still single? seems like her star is unlikely to fade in the next year or so. I know it all depends on women from the next Bachelor season, and it's way too early to predict. Just curious your thoughts. I mean, I guess she's always going to be a possibility. We can't rule it out. If they wanted her this season, why wouldn't they want her next season or the season after if she's available? But it's very tough to say she's really going to be at the top of their list because they might have some great candidates that come out of the next Bachelor season. We just don't know. It's, it is way too early. What are your thoughts on ABC casting someone who's been on your podcast twice? Clearly, they didn't hold that against her, but yet they won't let current contestants come on your podcast now. I mean, yeah, when Claire was on my podcast in February and May of 2017, this, it was different times. They didn't seem to care. And not only that, Claire went on Winter Games after she went on my podcast. So I, I've said it numerous times. There have been many instances where someone has come on my podcast and still been able to do stuff within this franchise. The one that always jumps out to me is Kenny King. Kenny King came on my podcast and literally one week later showed up on that wrestling group date during Hari season. So, I mean, just be, I mean, I mean, that was, you know, Hari season was what, two, three years ago. It just means that I, yes, they don't like me and yes, they aren't, the way they handle podcasts now is just totally different than 2017. They're just, they want to corner their market on, hey, our contestants are going on our official podcast, which is Rachel and Becca. And we will control who gets to talk to other people. And it sucks, but there's nothing I can do. 
but Claire went on, th- came on three years ago on my podcast, so it's been a long time, and I guess they just figure it's not a big deal. Also, how do you feel about the use of fire tokens so far in Survivor? I actually like it better than I thought I would. The whole extinction concept with the tokens is almost like having another game going on simultaneously now that we have a few players over there. I listened to your podcast with Dalton Ross where you discussed the drawbacks to Extinction Island. The first season I watched was 34 when Sarah won, so I don't have the perspective of older seasons when there were fewer gimmicks. That's true. I'm liking I'm, – I, I shouldn't even say liking. I'm loving this season of Survivor. I think it's awesome. And I – was very skeptical about fire tokens, but I said, I can't make a comment about it until I watch it play out. I like it. It's definitely a game within a game. Hell, they spent 10 minutes on Extinction Island in the first segment of the show last night. However, the only thing, if if I'm nitpicking here, like if you ask me right now, Steve, who's got fire tokens in the game and how many do they have? I couldn't name that off the top of my head. I don't think many people could. That's the thing there where it gets confusing. So I, I am appreciative that when they do show people on the show in the cryon on the screen, it shows how many they do have. But, you know, when we're six, seven, ten weeks into the season, am I going to remember who gave who its fire token or who bought this fire token off who? It just that's going to get a little crazy. But I do like the concept because it definitely adds an element to the people over on Extinction Island. Next question. I love what you do. I have such a blast following along the spoilers. I do agree that it has, been, it has been fun not knowing the exact ending. It's funny to me that people say you don't spoil this season when you spoil 95% of it. Anyway, a couple questions. Did the ladies see the Fantasy Suite episode before they taped the Women Tell All? I thought it taped on the 21st. Fantasy Suite aired on the 24th. I asked because Chris Harrison asked Lexi and Sydney about the Madison Ultimatum and what they thought. Yes, the crowd sees it. And the women see it before they give them a DVD to watch in their hotel rooms. Or maybe they do it streaming now. I don't know. I mean, that's the way it was in the past. But, yes, all the women that go out on stage have already watched it and the audience has watched it. Because, yeah, it wouldn't make sense to the audience for Victoria F. to be there if they didn't watch that rose ceremony where she got eliminated. Do the contestants that have been eliminated know the ending? I understand that this season is a little different since the ending is so complicated. But in a typical ending... Do past contestants know who the final choice was? Do you think some of them know exactly what happened? Well, um, it's tough to say. Like, I, There were 30 contestants on Peter's season. I, does every single one of them know? I'd say a majority of them didn't until you know this came out today. And you know they probably hear things, but could any of Peter's women lay out exactly what I laid out in the first 15 minutes of today's podcast? Probably not is my guess. I'm sure they all heard things like, oh, I heard, you know, he's dating Madison, but they're not engaged. But I don't think they could lay out everything that happened or how it went down. Do you think some of Peter's women will be on Summer Games? I feel like Winter Games is mostly old cast members. I could be wrong on that one. If so, what? who do you think would be on it? Impossible to guess who would be on it. But remember, assuming they do the same exact things they did with Winter Games as for Summer Games, there was only six U.S. men and six U.S. women. And then there were six international men and six international women. So it's only going to be six guys from the franchise that make summer games, unless they make it a bigger cast. But I don't think it's going to go any bigger than 24 people. That's a lot. So, I mean, six guys, six girls. I I would imagine at least one of them is going to be from Peter's season because they want to keep people relevant. And, um, But I don't think they're going to allow anybody to double dip, meaning go on summer games and then go on Paradise. So I think if you see a summer games cast member, probably not going to see him on Paradise because now we've got these 20 people from Bachelor Listen to Your Heart that are now fair game for Paradise and or Summer Games. So, yeah, get ready for that. What is your opinion on the way Tammy acted last night? Bullish, bullyish in my opinion, and then spoke during the anti-bullying segment seems a little hypocritical. I mean, yeah, it was, and my whole thing with Tammy was she did this whole apology after she got sent home on the two-on-one date. She did it on social media about how she said and she acted on the show and then she went and did the same exact thing on the Women Tell All. So it didn't really make it. It's like, great, your apology means nothing now. Do you think or have heard Hannah Brown will make an appearance during the live finale? If she does, it has nothing to do with Peter's season. It might just be to interview her. It might just be to give her her thoughts on coming back on the show, whatever. Um, but they love Hannah Brown. Hannah Brown is gold TV gold to them, so I can't say I'd be surprised, but if she's there, it has nothing to do with Peter. Just know that. And I've told you that for weeks. 
A thought on Victoria F. When she said she didn't break up any relationships, I am not sure she is exactly lying, as the relationships may not have been great if someone cheated. So she definitely made some decisions for herself that didn't end up well, but to blame her, not exactly sure that you can blame her for breaking someone else's relationship. But come to think of it, she might not be coming from that stance as when she left, she did kind of blame Madison for how things panned out. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to go over this. Obviously, it takes two to tango. But for people saying, why aren't we blaming the men or why aren't we talking about the men, which is seemingly what you were insinuating there, it's because the men aren't on The Bachelor and nobody knows who the men are. Well, except for the people in Virginia Beach and me. Um, I'm not talking about them because they didn't do it. They're not part of this. Victoria was a contestant on a very popular American reality show that millions of people watch every Monday night. She's the one in question. That's why we're talking about her. And if we're going to get technical on marriages and what and what stage the marriage was at when Victoria had an inappropriate relationship, let's just let's stop. She did she did bad. Okay. This is an interesting one. It's kind of long, but bear with me here. In your most recent blog post, you mentioned how nothing can happen to the anonymous trolls who bully contestants online. I find this interesting, as in our country, oh, by the way, this writer is from South Africa. In our country, there would be serious repercussions, specifically the comments that I feel should have repercussions, if not all, and would have where I live are the ones where people blatantly use racist slurs directed towards a specific... Why can't I say the word specific? Jesus. In South Africa, you can get jail time or a hefty fine for using racial slurs online. Cases you can look up, for example, are Penny Sparrow, who tweeted a photo of black people on a beach calling them monkeys and was found guilty of hate speech and was given a fine of the value of $10,000. Recently, a man named Adam Katsavellos tweeted a video using a well-known South African racial slur while on vacation in Greece. He was also found guilty and given a fine or two years imprisonment. In both cases, these tweets were not even aimed at someone specific, and yet legal action was possible. What I'm getting at is ABC has a lot of money and could influence, so could they make an example of one of these trolls by finding the person, calling someone racist names, and taking legal action? I know they likely won't, but isn't it also illegal in the USA? Surely someone calling someone a racial shirt should be illegal, right? If so, then we can't really say there is nothing ABC can do. They're just choosing not to do anything. They could theoretically take action. As you said, there will always be trolls. But to me, there's a difference between calling Victoria a homewrecker, which calls out her behavior, and is true, LOL, and calling someone the N-word. The line is very blurry sometimes, but it should be drawn at racism. Okay, I, I, I think this goes along the lines of free speech and the First Amendment. And I think people get that confused sometimes because in the United States... The whole point of the First Amendment is we're allowed to say whatever we want. But it doesn't mean your place of employment can't punish you for it. It just means the government can't come at you for it. And I look at I look at a thing like um, anyone that follows the NBA, the big thing that happened when the uh, owner of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, made a comment before the season started about North Korea. And North Korea basically just said, F you, and... I think that during that time as well, somebody in China made a comment about North Korea and that person was arrested on Twitter because they that's their country. That's how they deal with it. And I guess it happens the same in South Africa by the examples that you gave. You can't get arrested out here for saying the N-word on Twitter. You can get your account banned, but you can't be charged with anything so it's just the united states allows you to have the freedom of speech but the government can't come at you for it your place of work certainly can but it just means you can't be arrested for it or charged with anything so that's the difference i understand what you're saying but and then for abc to come after somebody i mean they would have to you know start searching IP addresses, and I just don't think they're going to do that. All they could do would be find that person and, you know, call them out by name, but they can't do anything to that person. If that person just chooses to be a troll, they're a troll. 
I listened to Nick Vile's podcast with Lauren Zima, and they were discussing the Victoria F. situation as it relates to her breaking up marriages. Nick talked about how Peter's ex, the girl who went on the show to inform Peter about her past, is an influencer on social media, so she probably came on the show for fame. He also said he talked to producers, ultimately the show believes Victoria over the rumors. Um, this is kind of along the lines of the same question. Sorry about this. I should have deleted this one since it's the same exact thing. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Same, same question as I answered earlier. Uh, next one, this may be a question you've answered before, but do the people whose viewing parties they crash know beforehand? Is there some way people submit their parties for that? They're just so incredibly elaborate. And since my viewing parties usually consist of one or two friends and a cheap bottle of wine, I just can't imagine people doing that every week. Yeah, the viewing parties that you saw Peter and his family crash on Monday, these were all they had sent out, I think, off off of their um, Twitter account. Bachelor ABC Twitter account was saying, if you throw a party, let us know. And they contact these people beforehand. They probably tell them to get as many people there as possible, wear costumes, act a fool when somebody walks in the door, like Ellen's giving away free gifts and shit, and these people like lose their mind. So do people really act like that during a watch party on Monday? I don't know. I'm sure it's exaggerated for television. If they really wanted to address the racist and hateful messages, why didn't they track those people down at their house or workplace with a camera crew? (laughs) Maybe some balloons, they'll actually open the door. They don't need to talk to them about it. Just have their face on video as they realize what they're really there for and when they read back their comment. If that stuff thrives on the anonymity of the anonymity, I'm just, I just quit. I quit English. Why not put some risk out there is that it won't be so anonymous. Again, I don't think the show is going to go through the hassle of telling any contestant, hey, send us the email that you got. Because people might be doing it from burner accounts. They might be doing it from fake accounts. And, I mean, if you're if you're that big of a troll you're pro- and, and you don't want to be caught, you're not doing it from your own name. So I just don't think the show is going to go that make it that elaborate. Hey, Steve, I may have missed it early in the season, but I noticed there were no mention of Kelsey or Sydney's past pageant activity in any of the episodes, specifically that Kelsey was Miss Iowa USA and Sydney was in pageants her whole life, including going up against Hannah B. In contrast, there was specific mention of Alea and Victoria P.'s history, perhaps to develop drama. But I remember in Colton's season, Hannah G. was also never presented as having a history running in pageants, including in Alabama with Hannah B., despite Hannah B. and Kaylin getting lots of mentions. So I'm wondering if production must purposely tell some contestants to not mention their pageant history and connections. They obviously want these girls on the show since they already trained them to be in the spotlight, but perhaps they don't want us to know the whole cast or pageant girls. Just wondering your thoughts on this. Certainly you were right about the whole Alea Victoria P. thing, although they didn't really dive into... Like... They didn't dive into it more so than they did with Hannah B. and Kaylin last season. They were definitely talking about, hey, we don't like each other from the pageant world. Victoria P. and Alea was more about, yeah, we do know each other, but they didn't dive into it very much. And, yes, they did leave out the fact that Kelsey was Miss Iowa in, I think it was 2017 or 2018, I forget. And they didn't, yeah, they didn't talk about it much. And Sydney did compete as well and didn't talk about it much. So it's just how they choose to handle certain storylines. Maybe they did have footage and they did talk about it, but then when they were editing the show together, they just said, eh, let's not go that. Let's not use that as a story. Question for reader emails. You've interviewed Claire on your podcast twice and seem friendly with her on a personal level. That's awesome. Have you ever been friends with a lead before they became the lead or is this new territory for you? I know you've become friendly with other leads and had them on the podcast after their seasons. Do you think this will impact the way you spoil at all or your relationship with Claire moving forward? Very curious about the dynamic. It's certainly going to be weird. I mean, I know Claire through those podcasts, you know, kept in touch kind of here and there, but it's not like Claire and I are BFFs, you know, it's just, it's, I have not, you know, had any sort of contact with her since she's been named the bachelorette. It's just, it's not something where, I choose to, and and for no reason other than, I mean, you could go through all my guest list of podcast guests, and some I keep in touch with, some I don't, and it's just, there's really no rhyme or reason to it, but when, you add, when you're at 170 podcasts and 
probably a hundred of them have been bachelor contestants. You know, you're just not going to keep in touch with a hundred people on a consistent basis. It just doesn't happen. The trailer for listen to your heart had the trailer had me more into listen to your heart than I expected. Are you going to be spoiling that series too? Are the contestants living in a house together? Yes, they live in a mansion. It's hosted by Chris Harrison. It is not the mansion they use for bachelor and bachelorette. They found a different one. I already did spoil the ending to that season, and that's all I really care to spoil. Um, the final two couples that make it to the sing- final singing competition that's judged by Caitlin and Jason. Seal. I mean, not Seal. Um, Tay Diggs. Sorry. Uh, it's Caitlin and Jason, Tay Diggs, Jewel, and somebody else that I'm forgetting are the five judges. They choose one couple over the other couple, and I already forgot their names, and I don't really care. I'll watch the show because I, but I'm not going to really have many thoughts about it. Maybe here or there on Twitter or something, but um, I'm just watching the show so I know who I'm, because some of those people are going to be on Paradise this summer. So I just want to at least have an idea of their personality, who they are, and whatnot, and what ha- and what they did on their season. When you announced that Claire was going to be Bachelorette, I was super excited because I've always really liked Claire, and I'm excited to see what she brings to a season. But it seems like most people are really not that excited. Do you think Claire seems to be more disliked than other Bachelorettes have been? I mean, I think you're, I guess it depends on where you're looking because I've seen plenty of support for Claire. And I've seen plenty of people say, who's this? Why her? She had four chances already. I I don't think the reaction to Claire has been any different than the reaction to any other lead that's ever been announced. You're going to have people that hate it and you're going to have people that love it. And that's why this show is successful because it draws an audience. Hell, people that hate Claire are still probably going to tune in because they're going to want to see her fail or do something stupid or whatever. Talk to a raccoon. Another question I have is, do you think Victoria F. will be on Bachelor in Paradise this summer? I truly hope she is. Because as many tools as there are on there, she's bound to wind up with someone as terrible as her. (laughs) Victoria F. will 1,000% be on Paradise. Come on now. We know this. Final question, and it's another question about Claire's season. You said in your column that they are still casting for her season now and that it's out there that it's Claire. Do you think they will get better matches for her being that these guys will know who they're getting rather than the ones who were picked before it was announced? Yeah, I mean, I think we know anybody that's cast from Monday on knows that they're going on for Claire, but let's not mistake the fact that that doesn't necessarily mean there's still not going to be guys that want to be on TV because this is a TV show first and foremost. Claire's age, yes, will be a storyline, but I'm telling you, Claire being on The Bachelorette is not going to change, and all of a sudden you're going to get 25 to 30 mature guys who never have arguments, who bro out all season long, who who fist bump and head pound each other <laughs> all season long. There's gonna, it's going to be the same stuff. It's, these guys are still going to bicker, and they're still going to fight over Claire, and they're still going to fight with each other, and there's going to be stupid things being said. Because that's what the show is. That's what the producer's job is to do, is to get that out of them. When they fly out contestants to L.A. to film ITMs after the show is already taped, for example, as you mentioned before, if the audio wasn't good or if the producers didn't get the sound bites they needed for their storyline, is it part of the contestants' contracts that they have to be available to fly out to L.A. for those, even after they've already returned to their life and jobs? How do they get the sound bites they need when the contestants aren't drunk, tired, or suffering from Stockholm Syndrome like they are when they are actually in the midst of filming? Are the contestants contractually prohibited from getting a new haircut, color, style, or facial injections, Botox, lip fillerettes, etc., between the end of filming and the new ITM's filming? Because that would really interfere with continuity. Good question. I just know that everybody that has to go back to do pickups, is what they're called, which is ITM's after the fact when the season's over, they all do it. It's part of your contract. Nobody turns this show down because most people want to work with the show and be in good graces with this show. So they all do it. No, not all, because they don't need someone from episode three to come back and shoot a pickup. It's usually people that make final three and final four that have to do stuff post-show. But in terms of hair color and style, you're technically not allowed to until you're eliminated on the show. That's kind of how it works. I know they didn't spend much time discussing Victoria Fuller's affairs on Women Tell All, but I basically heard that producers bought Victoria's version of the story. Are you planning on having someone on your podcast who knows Victoria and more details about how she ruined marriages? Planning? No. Would I like to? Sure. It's not my call. 
So in today's reader emails, you mentioned Chris Harrison never coming on your podcast. If something crazy happened and he did come on, what questions would you ask him? I would love to watch him squirm. They can hate all the on the spoilers all they want. I love them. They make the show go round. I won't tell you my list of questions for Chris Harrison, but just know I have them. I have a Microsoft Word document of if the day ever arrived, I'm prepared. But I'll never have to use them. Don't worry. <laughs> he ain't coming on. It's just, just not going to happen for the reasons I mentioned earlier this week. Final question. Hey, Steve, you mentioned that if someone isn't invited to the Women Tell All, then they weren't liked. If you had to guess, why do you think that is the case with Kelly? Because she wasn't obsessing over Peter, maybe? Or her less desperate attitude, maybe? Just curious what you think. I just think that she wasn't going to be a producer puppet. She's a lawyer. She's older than um, she's one of the older ones in the group. And I think she knew that I'm not going to play these games. I think she saw what was going on and uh, just decided, yeah, not playing these games. So that's essentially Kelly's story. So that'll do it for podcast number, what is this, 172? Um, again, first 15 minutes, if you want to go back and listen, 20 minutes or so. I did it as well as I could, um, laying out there what was told to me and uh, the confirmation that I got of what happens at the end of the season. And then I laid out some scenarios of, you know, explaining things that may, you may have seen in previews and why Chris Harrison is saying some of the things that he did and why Peter said what he did. But, um, you know, the, the basis of it being that after Madison leaves, Peter tells Hannah Ann, I can't make a decision until I speak to her. But she's not here anymore, so we got to go back to the state, so you're basically going to have to wait. And um, that's kind of how it goes down. And Peter and Maddie are together. And we'll see how they uh, appear on the After the Final Rose, but when Chris Harrison says even Peter doesn't know how it's going to end, I think he's talking, He's he, he kind of play, you know, he kind of, he said that a specific way, I think, for a reason, and um, I think it means that Peter doesn't know if Maddie would accept a proposal. So there you go. Podcast number 172. Thank you all for tuning in. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated. Thank you for being patient this season, although there were a lot of you that weren't. But, uh, <laughs> you know, every season is different. And I might have Claire's finale spoiled a week after filming ends. I might have it spoiled a month after filming ends. I just don't know. But one season has no bearing on the next season. I can guarantee you that. So we'll see what happens uh, with Claire's season coming up. And we'll see how this all plays out on Monday. And um, it's going to be it's it's going to be real interesting. So look forward to that. Thank you again for all tuning in to uh, podcast number 172. We're back next week with number 173. Don't know who it is yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll be someone great. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. We will talk to you in a week. See you.